0: What is up, people? It is Richard Harris and Scott Lee with another edition of the Surf and Sales Podcast. And this is one of our new and different ways of doing things. This one's called The Crow's Nest in uh, honor of the Crow's Nest in Costa Rica at Surf and Sales. So if you haven't been, uh, we're going to talk this guest into coming. That's our goal for this next hour, Scott. Even though he just told us he's got a, a yeah. new child coming, we're going to convince him and his wife that, you know, he should be able to go in november.
1: So yeah, this is a oh, okay. podcast aka 45 minute sales pitch to our guests. <laughs> exactly. So uh, if you haven't
0: signed up for uh, our november events, please come. I think the first one's sold out. The second one has a couple of slots
1: left so we Yeah, won't... we've got four the first one is sold out and the second week in november has four open spots left as of right now. And there's u-
0: usually someone bails, so there might be a slot for the first week if that's the one you really want So We put we'll put you on a waiting list. Anyway, I want to give a good shout out, quick shout out to Sendoso and Scratchpad and Outreach, our sponsors for the month. Uh, We really appreciate all that they do to help us bring these conversations to the sales community and the additional work they do with us or even on their own to support the sales community. Um, I think it's super important and we want to support those who support us. With that being said, I want to introduce Travis Matthews. Um, Travis, I posted a couple, about a month ago in May. hey, who wants to come on the podcast and ask questions? And so uh, Travis was one of the first to respond and he signed up and here we are. So Travis, um, give folks a a hello of like, what's your role? Where do you come from? What kind of sales cycles you run through? All that kind of stuff.
2: Oh man, all sorts of stuff. Thanks for the intro, Richard. Scott, thanks for having me on today, guys. Um, Yeah, so currently I'm an account executive on the majors install team at DocuSign. Um, I just started here last March, and uh, prior to that, I spent the better part of the last 10 years um, as a sales rep in the green industry, representing commercial landscape contractors. So it's uh, been a bit of a change lately, but it's been an exciting change for us, and uh, I'm enjoying the hell out of it. Scott, I don't know if you know this, but back in the day before
0: I worked at Mashery, I interviewed at Mashery one day and DocuSign the same day, and apparently I, I was so excited about DocuSign and Travis, I'll talk offline about it. But apparently I said the F word in the interview. while <laughs> the, um, the person interviewing me was eating their lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I was told by the recruiter that they didn't like that. And I'm like, get the fuck out of here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is an amazing story. I've not heard. Yeah, what parents, a, I don't And, and in not fairness, get a job at DocuSign because he used the F word.
0: <laughs> by the way, Scott, this and everybody, this was so early that I was being hired interviewing for the sales manager in the San Francisco office. Like this is in oh, 2010, man. Oh so I wow. really blew it. Oh, um, your
1: big mouth got you in trouble again. <laughs> yet again,
0: right? Like <laughs> yet again. So anyway, Travis, that's that's my quick piece of that. I'll tell you offline who that is, but um, because I think he's still there and he's he's a good guy. Like in fairness, he's he built you guys, so he's done good stuff. Uh, anyway, anyway Travis, what do you, awesome. you want to ask us, man?
2: What I want I, well, I guess the, the the first thing I would ask is for Scott: uh, going left or going right? Oh, gosh. I got to think about this for
1: a second. Uh, going right. Well, yes. let me rephrase. Let me rephrase. When I have not been surfing in a while, going right is way easier.
2: Mm-hmm. When,
1: when I've been surfing a lot more, I, I enjoy going to the left because I, I think I'm better at going to the left, but it, it's harder to like pick up, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah, Are you regular foot, I guess?
1: I'm regular footed, yeah. Awesome. I love it
2: um how about, how that's, a surf qu- that's a surf question richard that's yeah. a <laughs> I question. sorry yeah, it's i figured it really out for the podcast um for me yeah go, going i don't know either way is fine uh going rides is definitely easier because i'm regular as well um and y'all yeah. have to excuse me my wife's taking our kids to the beach so you might have like 30 seconds of just kids in the background sorry that's all right we um,
1: listen, love kids. the joy of people going to the beach is welcome sound on the
2: show yes yeah. <laughs> i love it <laughs> so, um yeah so i I think the next thing I'd love to bring up is, so Scott, you probably don't remember because you've impacted so many people's lives. Um, But six, I think it was like six years ago or so, you had just started getting pretty active on LinkedIn and I found you. And I was interested in getting in tech in that time because I'd been in like the green industry for like five years. And I sent you a DM on LinkedIn. You responded within five minutes with your phone number. And like 10 minutes later, we were talking. I was in like a Sprouts parking lot and you were just you've spent like half an hour breaking down the entire industry to me. And it was like one of the more powerful moments I've had with anyone in the industry before. So, uh, so thank
1: you for that. I mean, you, Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for, thanks for bringing that story up and that memory up. I I cannot say truthfully that I remember that specific conversation, but it does sound like something that I would do and have tried to do as much as I can over the years. So sounds like it worked. You were able to transition from, the green industry into tech and all yeah. that. So it took Let's
0: some time. So Travis, talk about that for a second. Like what was that transition like? Cause I think there's a lot of people who are going to go through different kinds of transitions. They all do. We all do. I've talked to teachers who are transitioning into sales. I know salespeople who are transitioning into new roles, whether it was, you know, the recent, you know, you know, great, you know, recession to now all of a sudden things are happening. Talk mm-hmm. about like, Talk about maybe those scary parts and some advice you'd give somebody.
2: Um, I, th- I think the first thing we should address is just a level of pretension that comes in the tech industry. Ah. Uh, so, and yes. I've actually seen you guys have been speaking on this, and more people are starting to speak out about it finally. But, you know, being someone who's spent a decade selling commercial landscape work, I think people don't really... When, when I had met with different recruiters at different tech companies they weren't able to process or understand what it was I did. And so I was immediately basically just like not given the opportunity because I didn't have SaaS specific experience. And I'm like, I, I don't no, understand. No, no, no. Hire somebody with three years of SaaS experience over somebody who has 10 years of a successful, successful sales career. Like it. So there, there's like this level of pretension, I think, in SaaS that needs to just go away because at the end of the day, you're still having the exact same conversations. You're listening to people, you're identifying what their problems are and you're solving them. I mean, that's yeah. all sales is. And, uh, so it honestly, it frustrated the hell out of me, um, to the point where after I talked to you, I interviewed with a few companies like six years ago. And then eventually I just said, you know what? I'm done with it. I don't want to deal with this anymore because it wasn't, I I wasn't getting to where I wanted to go with it. Um, so, but. But as far as like the most recent transition that I finally made, um, I had a friend who worked on the majors team at DocuSign and he actually recommended me for a role in their team. So having that internal referral allowed me to get through that process and bypass the recruiter. Um, so yeah. that was, so get, getting around them and then going through the interview process with um, with the sales leadership team here on the team I'm working on now was awesome. So I got to just speak to them directly, do like a sales pitch interview and all that. and eventually get the job. So So what what
0: I'm really hearing is that Scott gave you some great advice that really didn't fucking help you.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's right.
0: I gave
1: him good advice that didn't work. (laughs) I should
0: have called Richard.
1: So, uh, But I was memorable at least. Yes.
2: Truthfully, I probably could have pushed those conversations further, but um, I think in the back of my mind, I knew that I still had some more to give to the green industry. So I, I wasn't in a huge rush to leave, but I do remember just being super frustrated with the process as a whole. So uh, for any so like, recruiters out there for tech- so, now and- that,
0: so Travis, now that you've made it, right? Yeah. And you're in SaaS and you are thousand percent correct that like the pretentiousness is ridiculous. What advice would you give to someone who doesn't have a SaaS experience aside from having a connection, which is a smart thing to try and figure out? Mm-hmm. Is there something you could be like, oh, I wish I had
2: known this because now I would have positioned myself this way. That's a great question. Um, honestly, no. I mean, I, I think the, the first thing you could do is probably go follow somebody like Austin. Is it Austin Belkac? Is that his name? Yes. Oh, yeah. Belsack. yeah. yeah. He has great information on how to kind of get around the recruiting process and interview process. Um, yeah, I mean, I honestly, like, without that internal referral, my buddy John had called me and asked me if I wanted the job at DocuSign. So I didn't even actually reach out to him. So my, my process of getting there was a little different than what it would be. So if I were to go back, I'm not sure how I would play it differently. But um, but just, I don't know, finding a creative and unique way to get around the recruiter um, to get straight. I mean, just like any sales process, right? Like You got to get past the gatekeeper. And I think the recruiters are the gatekeeper here of getting jobs. Ooh, I love this. Yeah. Recruiters are the gatekeepers. And I just wrote that down. Yeah. Yep. So if you can... If you can identify who's actually going to push the needle and have a conversation with you on LinkedIn, just engage with them on LinkedIn, get involved with them, and then see if you can find time on their calendar and have an initial call. I mean, that's, that's that probably be the best way. That's exactly what I tell people to do.
0: Mm-hmm. Like go find the hiring manager, connect with the HR person, tell them you're interested, connect with the sales, particularly if it's a sales role, connect with the sales leader. I'm connecting because I want to talk to you about the role. Maybe email that leader directly, figure out their email cadence, and you call and text them however you can and just show them that you can push your way through. So I love that. So you do have advice. So I just want to make sure you know that trap <laughs> Yeah. <in>. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Back to you. What do you want to ask us?
2: Man, what would I like to ask? Um, at, at what point did you guys realize that you were ready to like step away from, I'm uh, not necessarily your career. Cause it says your career, but, but when did you realize like, you know what, I've built enough information and knowledge about what I'm doing that I want to start sharing in the first place on LinkedIn. Like that's, that's kind of like the first hurdle to getting to where you guys are at these days. And you guys have very interesting lives that you've built out. So at what point did you recognize you were prepared to do that? Or did it just happen organically?
1: I'll go first. Um, yeah, go ahead. Because I'm, <clears throat> I'm still trying to process the fact that my life is interesting as I <laughs> sit in my office. And Travis is garage is now an office and he's his wife is taking kids to the beach presumably a couple minutes away
0: right so scott maybe you need to ask travis some questions yeah Um,
1: yeah his life uh, is interesting
0: so i figured it out 2010 11 when i i lost my job uh with the company that i got with Docus- instead of DocuSign, which was fine. Like I, I lost in the sense that they were getting acquired and they didn't need me and they hugged me out the door. So it's not like a, a terrible thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sort of already been doing a little bit on LinkedIn. And then I started uh, posting and responding and doing going down this practice of contacting every single person that I knew mm-hmm. or didn't know about jobs. When I saw jobs, I'd go to, link- I'd go to HR, apply online, I'd go to H, the HR LinkedIn person, ask them who I should talk to. Then I'd go to who I suspected was a hiring manager, ask them who I should talk to. And I worked my way into a ridiculous number of interviews. And this tactic still works, um, particularly in sales. Um, so then I started like writing commentary and reading things and maybe posting a little bit. and um, And then connected with sales hacker and started sharing ideas in there. And I realized what, what the light bulb was, was people were asking questions in communities when LinkedIn promoted communities. And I had answers Mm -hmm. that I was a little nervous to share at first. So I was like, do I really have the right answer? But they were the right answer. Mm And so that to me was where it really happened. So it was in the community aspect, which we're seeing a lot more of now that gave me the confidence to do it. And then over time, through that whole transition, that's when I started to become a consultant, actually, with the help of Scott. Um, and so I started doing more and more on LinkedIn and growing my network and you know, all that kind of stuff. So for me, that was it. Um, and then um in 2016 and 17, I really focused on growing my network with connections. And you know, Scott and I've known each other all this time. And I was finally explaining to Scott what I was doing, and he got on board one the 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 content side, but he was still carrying his own W two. So, um, so anyway, so that's that's where it happened. So the first hurdle was I had to feel like I, I had to give myself permission to answer somebody's question, not knowing if I was right or not, but mm-hmm. assuming I was, and assuming that I think I wrote it in a way of like, here's what I think, but someone can correct me if I'm wrong. Like I was trying to be very humble about it because I didn't
2: want to come off like a dick. Do you struggle with imposter syndrome at all? I mean, was that something, was that a difficult hurdle to get? I clearly haven't listened to
0: enough episodes. Oh my God. I am the, I am the imposter poster, Mm -hmm. right? Like if you wanted to put one up, that is me constantly. Um, I'll stop talking in just a second. You know, Scott always, one of Scott's greatest comments for me has always been your success will be determined between the time between your ideation and your execution of that idea. And I struggle with that execution horribly. Scott knows this. Like that's probably helped me back a ton. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas Scott's like, yeah, fuck it, let's go for it. And um, so yes, I have a tremendous amount of imposter syndrome.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. Who was the yeah. who, who did that quote coin the ideas are cheap executions everything?
0: No idea. Scott least did as far as
1: right.
2: I know. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't,
1: I don't know that that
2: famous. I, I just
1: sort of a little while ago started saying that you need to shrink the delta between idea and action that's what it was a lot of people have idea ideas a business idea a creative idea a vacation idea whatever it is and we deliberate on it too much mm-hmm. and overthink it and the more you think at least for me the more you think about something, the more overwhelming it can be. All the little tiny details show up, and those details can spook you sometimes or give you anxiety or whatever. And they hold you back.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I I have I'm fortunate, I think, in the sense that when I latch on to an idea, I, I take action like pretty quick. Mm-hmm. I don't overthink things too often. It sometimes, you know, backfires, of course, but I think more often than not. It's it's for the greater good,
2: you know. The the benefit far outweighs the the downside of it. So, so how, how do you fill in the gaps on like some of the smaller detail items that could be overwhelming? Well, it, Richard can comment on this,
1: but uh, I just literally tend not to think about them, Travis. <laughs> 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 I, I I tend to to focus more on the the big the big idea. Or, or the big execution of it all. Mm-hmm. So here's an example. Well, let's use Surf and Sales as an example. So Surf and Sales was born because Richard and I were on family vacations together in Costa Rica. And I was sort of making fun of him about the conferences that he had to go to. And I said, well, how come nobody has a conference in a cool place like Costa Rica? And he's like, I don't know. Why don't you build one? And, and I was like, well, fuck you. Why don't you help me build one? He's like, fine. If you, if you build it, then... You know we'll do it and like a few days later we got home i think i made a post about it on linkedin sort of crowdsourcing is this idea total shit or are people into it and the post did like really really well so this is like 2016 so for me it did really really well at that particular time and i'm like oh my god this thing has legs so that was by the that was like early december of 2016 okay we plunked down all the money and reserved houses and put and decided to do this thing within two months of that idea. And I think the first event took place in May. May. Richard was it May. was it May, right? So from idea to actual event, you're looking at five months basically, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. And now there's a million details like. How is everybody getting to and from the airport and how are we going to feed everybody and how, where are we going to get surf lessons and all these other details, right? How the fuck are we going to sell tickets? I didn't really think about all those kind of things. I just focused on this is, this is a good idea. Like, I think we can do this. And then one of the things that I am notorious for is I bring other people in. This I'm like sitting here. That's why I'm grinning, I tend, <laughs> Travis. I'm like waiting for you to hear the delegation comment. I love it. Yeah. I tend to not try to do everything myself with big kind of projects
2: like this, so he I pull people tends in. Tends to so try I'm and I, and not Richard do is anything.
0: Stop. He tends to try and not do anything.
2: So, so left to his own devices, Surf and Sales Volume One would have just been Firefest. Uh, it probably wouldn't have happened necessarily or would it would have been
1: a lot it would more have been differently put together.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah, because I probably would have handled the execution. I would not have done as well as our partner Jeff has done. Scott brought in the right Scott knew like Scott knows I'm a detail guy, but Jeff's a micromanaging detail guy mm-hmm. compared to me. Um, I, I, yeah. I, I think that's fair so, to say, Scott.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. so I I, I do very good in my business life and even personal life at surrounding myself with people who are very good at the things that I suck at mm-hmm. and balance and complement me in different, in different ways. So rather than trying to tackle this thing solo, there's three of us and each of us has a little bit different kind of, you know, tip of the spear that we're, that we're really good at. Right. But that's an, that's, that's an example, like idea bang, in motion within two months, executed, sold out event within five months, $75,000 profit cut three ways. Holy shit, what just happened? Can we actually do this again?
2: <laughs> what was
1: the feeling at the end of that? What was the feeling at the end of the first? I think it was literally for me like, holy shit, That did this just happen? Did we just like actually hold an event that people loved? And learned something and we got paid like a good grip of money to basically go on a vacation, ditching our families along the way. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, just like somebody, my father in law uh, said said to me, he goes, How's that boondoggle of yours going? Like that's his joking way of like, how did you pull off this kind of you know, thing? So yeah. meanwhile, he came
0: to our, you know. Last year we were we figured out oh we should do them in November and then the family will come for Thanksgiving kind of stuff um and uh, and of course the father in law came to the post boondoggle so you know I don't I don't and he got to do some fishing with his grandkids that he loved doing so you know
1: oh yeah he he knows it's he knows it's all legit he just that's just his way of you know giving me shit and me jealous so while while Richard's story Travis is the circumstances are you know company gets acquired in the process of interviewing all over the place lands into these consulting gigs and goes all in i was much slower to go all in much more measured and and sort of kept trying to to see if i could build stuff on the side that would match my income level from Mm w2 and also kept chasing you know sort of a big exit if you will you know trying to have a big liquidity event that might you know put some distance between me and you know the average middle America person mm-hmm. right trying to change the game generationally for my my kids and my and my family so I was chasing that while also trying to creep side hustle kind of stuff up and it, it was at first like, what can I do that will pay one bill off every month? Mm-hmm. You know, so it was, and then I was, had been in the game for probably 10 years or so. And I started getting some inquiries of people who wanted help talking through how to build a sales org. Mm-hmm. And then some people who had questions about how to sell or how to be a manager. So I started picking up some real inexpensive kind of consulting gigs. Well, those inexpensive consulting gigs were the foundation because those created a domino effect of referrals and, you know, an expansion of network. And then as Richard talked about in 2016, he convinced me to like actually start trying on LinkedIn and try to grow my network and I'm hyper competitive. So I'm like, okay, Richard, I'm gonna pass you and, you know, do, yes. do better than you basically, right? And then we did surfing and sales and then I wrote my first book And then I, you know, went all in in 2019, running the business for myself. And then 2020, I launched Thursday night sales. And so it was for me, it was waiting until like, oh, my God, my side hustle income is matching my W-2. And I think that I'm not starting on the, you know, one yard line. I'm like, I return the kickoff to like the 30 or 40 yard line or I got good field position. For football analogy, right? Because I, I I was, I'm a little contradictory to the story I just told. I I was a little risk adverse to going all in and betting on my myself the way Richard did. So we came at it from two different angles.
0: Yeah, that's the. I think that's one of our strengths together. Is that I can be like Scott, what the fuck are you doing? Go do this, and then he will. And I say this all the time. He'll take an idea of mine and execute at 10x because he reduces that delta where I get stuck in my head sometimes Um, and other times he'll kick me in the ass. of like, what the fuck is taking me so long? Like, get on with this, you know? So, but I have a question for you, Travis. What made you ask that question?
2: What made me ask? Gosh, what was my question initially? (laughs) Your question
0: was, how did we, how did we know what was the signal for us to go? Gotcha. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I definitely aspire to build out a lifestyle similar to what you guys have done. I mean, just, it's, I'd love to see what you've done what Justin Welsh has done um, Jennifer's wife like they're such an awesome family and I I've, I've spoken to them a fair bit over the years but yeah you know I, I feel like there's so much that I want to do and I even launched like a children's book during covid as like a project to prove to myself that I yeah, can, that I can Saw that. Yeah. It was a fun project. I I I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur in a sense but um and to me Building a business and being an entrepreneur is have an idea, putting pen to paper, building a product, marketing, and selling it, right? And if, if you can do that successfully, you're running a business. So I started small with the book, um, but now I'm kind of caught in the weeds and the details of how the hell do I like, do SEO on Amazon to actually sell this thing out? Because until then, we just have a garage full of 1,000 copies of Jaws Easy. Um, but I, I have aspirations to eventually either match my income that I have now or move into a more flexible lifestyle and be running my own businesses like much like you guys have done and I still think I have a lot to learn. So I to me I guess it feels like of- a more
1: Scott kind of approach than a Richard yes. kind of approach just just in listening to it. Right? Yeah, yeah
2: I yeah. would say it, it needs There's no there's
1: no right or there's no right or wrong way, but it sounds more like a measured approach. Uh, of sorts. And, and the book launch, like you shouldn't downplay that. Mm -hmm. That's a huge, huge accomplishment. And you should continue to find ways to promote that and get the word out there, Mm -hmm. you know, about that, because the goal is not to sell 5 billion copies of the book and like get rich being an author necessarily. Mm -hmm. The goal is it's a passion project. It's scratching an entrepreneurial itch. If you can, I don't know, get even a hundred to $200 a month in royalties, Mm -hmm. off of the book. Hey, that's a cell phone bill, man. And that's a big, big win. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's it's a bit of a legacy thing that you can, you know, be proud of and and whatnot. All this stuff is is very important to the collective. Who is Travis? What is Travis capable of? And what is he all about?
0: So I'm going to, I'm going to flip it a little bit. Scott, I'm going to interview you a couple of questions around this for your benefit, Travis, because I think this will give you ideas rather than just telling you what to do. Scott, you've always said that your books are your what?
1: You know, we lost you, but you said the word calling card. It's a calling card for me. It's like if somebody wants to know who I am, how I think, what I'm all about, like they could check that out before ever reaching out to me.
0: Scott, how many books did you just mail out by hand just to
1: say hello to sets of sales? Hundreds. I, I couldn't even tell you. And did, you do,
0: and did you do it yourself by hand?
1: Well, I may have
0: enlisted a little bit of help. Well, I, but my point is you did it out of the garage. It's not like you. Out did... of the
1: garage. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. I had a, I had a, a, just for distribution purposes, I ordered a 2000 book pallet that mm. showed up in my garage and bit by bit, I distributed those mm-hmm. at, at my own expense, right? Just to get the word. Out there, and that compounding effect. All of a sudden, people were buying it. It started getting reviewed all over the place. Started showing up on, you know, top fifty book lists, sales book lists, and stuff like that. It kind of took on a life of its own. Yeah, you know. And even now, I, mean, I think I did this maybe I don't know a couple of months ago. Maybe, um, you know, I wrote something that was like a excerpt from my book, and I said, hey, if anybody wants a copy of the book, just Hit me up, and I think I mailed off fifty of them, or something like that.
0: Mm-hmm. You know. So Travis, I'm asking you this that I want you to understand. It's I heard you say about SEOing this on Amazon. Mm-hmm. I think that's something to learn. It's something to know, but that's not. I want you to see a, a more tactical SEO, right? And yeah. you, believe me, you can task grab at this shit. Like this is not something you need to sit in the garage and do, right? Like you could task grab at this and you know, in Scott's mind, right? It's not even a question of sending out a thousand. It's like, how do I get out five a week for the next three weeks? And let me see what happens. Let me figure this out a little bit and then do it. Or I think Scott, you did this. Tell me if I'm wrong. Let me find the, because Scott was going after a very specific target market, right? But it's like he would send five copies to sales leaders to say, give these to your team if you want. Mm -hmm. right? Like that kind of thing. So that when he says he sent out a thousand, he didn't necessarily send out a thousand to a thousand people. He did some very micro
1: distribution. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So that to me, I think is,
1: you know, yeah. The most I ever sent to, you know, at one time would be like, uh, there'd be a founder or a VP of sales. Like I think I sent a box to David Cancel at drift and Kyle Porter at sales loft and just said, Hey, Here's a box of a hundred books. Pass these out to your sales team. You know, hope it hope it's helpful. Let me know if I can ever do anything for you. Right? Simple guerrilla distribution. So when you talk about like SEOing Amazon or SEOing Google or marketing or advertising, I never did any of that shit. Mm-hmm.
2: None of it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What else you want to ask us? Go for it.
2: Um, well, I'm curious back to when you were talking early on, Scott, how companies were reaching out to you for consulting, um, what compelled them to reach out to you? I mean, were you pretty active on LinkedIn at that time? Or I mean, how, how had you made yourself known in the industry? They saw
0: that he was connected to me they were like, oh, this guy can't be so
2: bad.
1: That's what I figured. Yeah. Richard's still trying to figure out why anybody messages me to this day.
0: Yes. I still don't know Uh, if that actually does.
1: Yeah. Um, I was not super active on LinkedIn yet. I maybe had a couple thousand followers in, uh, call it like 2011 or so, maybe a couple thousand. Um, but I had already been a VP of sales, you know, three times mm-hmm. with fairly large sales organizations, two of the times. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about, you know, 75 people or so in company one, Two hundred people in company two. This is in the Bay Area,
2: mm-hmm.
1: so and the companies did okay. They weren't like massive successes or anything like that, but they were okay. And uh, you know, those people who worked at those places, a lot of them had nice things to say about their time with me. Mm-hmm. So when they went and took other jobs, people talk. And so they'd tell, you know, their current sales leader or their current boss or their current founder or whatever. And in early 2011 was when I, I first started getting sort of messages in my inbox that were like, hey, I know you built a few sales orgs and you're currently building one at Main Street Hub. Would love to talk to you. And I, I just it was like onesie twosies every couple months, you know. Mm-hmm and I didn't charge hardly anything. You know, It was like a couple hundred dollars a month is, is all I asked for. I just wanted the experience and the practice and sort of just trying to figure out like, what the hell does one talk about and, and do in this consulting thing? It's not like I knew. Mm-hmm. Um, and those, you know, compounded again and somebody talked and it led to other things and it just kind of, you know, grew from, grew from there. And, you know, I don't, I really don't do any prospecting at all. You know, People just find their their way through
2: word of mouth, basically. Yeah. And did you have a similar approach to, Richard? or did you do much consulting or no?
0: No, I't I did nothing. Like I, like my story was I lost that job. Mm. I started interviewing in all kinds of places couldn't get hired for like five months. It was really frustrating because I was making like to the fourth or fifth interview. Mm-hmm. And then someone who I'd spoken, who Scott had introduced me to a year before called me back to see if I'd be interested in a role. And it was in Austin and I wasn't moving to Austin. And um, I said, but I could do some consulting for you. And mm-hmm. he was like, okay. Uh, put together some proposal and, um, and I was like, I'm literally using a Yahoo email address at this point, right? Like, it's, I didn't I wasn't even cool enough to have a Gmail address. Um, and, and then on my way back from my first week in Austin, I sat down on a plane. Short story is, turns out, I'm talking to this guy is a startup guy, turns out it's Nick Mater from Gainsight when they had like 15 people you know, he's asking me what I do. I'm a sales consultant. I'm like throwing shit out there. I'm like just testing the waters. Mm-hmm. Next thing I know, I had another gig for 30 days. So all yeah. of a sudden I had these two 30-day gigs. So I was making six months salary in 60 days. Mm-hmm. And it was just sort of like the world is telling me something. And I called Scott and I called my buddy, John Barrows and I talked to my wife and we were like, well, let's slap up a $5,000, you know, validation website. <laughs> Much like Scott, I was, the, the piece was that I was relevant immediately because I had two clients, Mm -hmm. Same with Scott. He was relevant once he started to go in it. I mean, he was way more than relevant at that point, but you know, it helps when that's when you start this side hustle and you're like, Oh, i got a client or two. And then you get to tell that story. So that's how it all happened in my mind on the LinkedIn side. I was much more engaged way earlier. Um, it's how I ended up connecting with Sales hacker, which also boosted my role. Like I, I six months after I started doing this, I went to Rainmaker for Salesloft, um, met Max Altschuleler, never met him before. I told him I love what he's doing on LinkedIn if I could ever help. you know And then he said, just keep posting and then like three months later he said he needed some help. and all of a sudden I was the sales trainer for Sales hacker. And he asked me to start hosting webinars and stuff. He was smart enough to see like, oh, we should put Richard out there so that he can get us more business kind of stuff. And you know, for me, it was weird things falling into place mm-hmm. unexpectedly. But I think it has to do with karma and the fact that, okay, I'll try these things. And so even though I, at the beginning, I still have this massive imposter syndrome, I still have this piece that will kick myself in the ass to go out and try something.
2: I love that, yeah. What uh, what what would you say is your most favorite project you've ever worked on? And what's the project you're most proud of like over the last few years?
0: Scott, you want to go first? You're still on mute, buddy. God, this is like the Richard episode. Finally,
1: finally. Oh my God, I have failed. I have become Richard. Yes. Uh, I mean, my most favorite project, I don't know how I not say it's surfing sales. Yeah. I mean we're running three events a year now, spending really like four plus weeks mm-hmm. a year. So over a month a year we live in Costa Rica, which is kind of wild to think about and say out loud, Richard. I don't know if you've yeah, I never even you said at this moment that we are before. Yeah. Yeah. One twelfth of your calendar year you live in Costa Rica, by the way. Five more months and you can apply to be a resident. Uh, so it, it's hard to argue with that. Like we've we've managed to turn this into a business. It's, a, it's podcasts with revenues. It's events with revenues and sponsorship. And it's impacting the lives of 60 plus people, you know, per year. Mm-hmm. And it's a blast. And we, I get to do something that I love, that kind of thing. That's probably the most fun. The thing that I'm probably the most proud of is actually the last time I was an operator in building this company called Qualia because Qualia has done exactly what it set out to do and become the market leader in its space, unicorn company, that kind of thing. Um, and that's, you know, kind of the feather in a cap of a 15 year VP of sales career. That's like the feather in my cap kind of one. So Richard.
0: Uh, I would say surfing sales is my most favorite cause it's so far out of the box for me. Like I'm not a surfer, right? Like Scott wasn't joking when he said, Hey Richard, that means that's a surf question going right or left.
2: Like, <laughs> Do you get out there when you guys go?
0: Yeah, I do. I do. It's taken me a long time, but I do. And I enjoy it. Um, and I like it. Uh, and my kids love it too, which is great. In fact, I still owe my son a, a surf trip here. Um, so I think that's probably the one of them. I think the thing I'm most proud of is that I figured this out and figured out how to do this without a playbook. Yeah. Starting my business. Right. And um taking that risk and that leap and recognizing what it is and you know, having to make the decision of okay, well, do I build this thing out like a John Barrows and start having employees and shit, or do I just make this my lifestyle business? Right. Like I'm I'm younger, you know, I'm 53 now and it's kind of like, okay, what am I going to do in 10 years? Do I want to keep doing this? And part of me wants to keep my foot in the water. But part of me is like, not, not, not this much, right. Mm-hmm. Like I'll still do, I'll always do surfing sales. I'll always do some level of advisory and consulting, but mm-hmm. I still want to be sales training. I don't know. We'll see, you know, maybe I'll try to sell my content to some other training org. you know, for mm-hmm. you know, some level of money. Not, you know, nobody's going to pay me 10 million for it. I can assure you. Um, but why not so do something? So anyway, so that's I think that's where I where I am with with these things.
2: Yeah, it's it is cool as hell what you guys have done over the last ten years. Each of you, so I it is. We are fucking
0: cool as hell, my man.
2: Uh, and I do hope that you guys pause sometimes and you just kind of relish in that because you guys like one, you have great lifestyles for you. I'm sure your families love that you're around more often. And then two, like you guys are helping people every day. Yeah. Like it is very cool what you've done. Well, humbly appreciate Thank you. that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, sometimes
1: it's uh, it's hard to pause. I think for any of us and remember or, or accept compliments, if you will, and and things like that. But
2: mm-hmm.
1: I do like the fact that I feel like in lots of different ways we're impacting salespeople, sales leadership, founders conceptually how people think about different things. Like what is a sales event? Mm -hmm. What is a sales community? (laughs) Um, And, you know, just trying to do something to uplift the industry and the profession a little Mm -hmm. bit, you know, it's something to be proud of rather than just trying to, I don't know, peel the industry for every nickel and dime that we can. Right. Uh So Appreciate that. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think is but- where my
0: imposter syndrome kicks in because I still don't feel like I'm worthy. Um, I do know that I, I like the idea that we've impacted people's livelihoods, mm-hmm. hopefully in a positive way. That we know whether they're surfing salespeople or you know someone who listens to the podcast or someone like you that Scott spent thirty minutes with, like that has a big compounding effect of karma for people. Right. And it pays off in the long run. And I love the fact that we can help people, I hope, get better at realizing their passions and dreams and make those choices that Mm -hmm. they want to make. And hopefully that's betterment for them and then their families and their spouses and their significant others and their kids. And like that to me is a big piece. That's if you ask me what's my most proudest thing, I think that's the proudest thing I have is that I'm hopefully trying to put more good in the world than I am,
2: you know, taking. Yeah. I think it's safe to say that you are. Yeah. yeah. Is there a, so what, like what, what's next? Is it, are you guys planning on to replace Dreamforce or like how, how big and how far are you? <laughs> to this?
1: No, definitely not. The, the entire thesis of surfing sales is that big is out and small is in it's to stay small and intimate and, and just a different, more powerful, potentially experiential kind of, you know, event. Mm-hmm. So it's never going to be a couple hundred people, let alone hundred thousand people. That's not, that's not what it is. It's not the aim. You know, if, if, if the brand continues to grow and we could pull off doing one, you know, once a month, that would be incredible, you know if I can pull off doing events a couple of times a year and maybe rotate to different spots around the world, like, man, that would be insane, Mm -hmm. you know? But for right now, we're kind of, you know, for the first year or two, we did one and then we did two. And now we're doing three. And again, if that's that more measured kind of approach where I'm, I'm at least not ready to be like, we're doing 20 this year. Mm-hmm. going all in i can't
2: you might want to do that, the do that. Yeah. yeah
1: you know there's a lot of reasons why that could sound cool if i was 25 and single and unencumbered no but you know nobody wants to be away from their kids and family you know that much um would it be fun to grow the thing a little bit yeah you know will it be different in six years when me and richard our four kids are you know out of the house and maybe in college somewhere or working somewhere. Yeah. I mean, maybe. Um,
0: yeah. I think look, we, we, you know, there's, there's all kinds of ideas around that and there's multiple pieces to the, to the brand, right? There's the podcast and how do we do that differently? And then there's, you know, we also have the live sessions that we do um, that, uh, that are, that are fun. Cause those are interesting topics and conversations. And then, you know, we have the event and so it just becomes, you know, what are we going to do? And how often can we do it? So uh, how often
1: can we get away with it might be a better <laughs> yeah, That Yeah, might that's be- how we think. <laughs> how many, how much more can we get away with this?
0: And we've mm-hmm. had, and Travis, to your point, like we've had the conversation of, well, what if we brought 30 people instead of 17 mm-hmm. and it logistically gets a little bit more complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think our biggest concern has been that we might mm-hmm. lose not all of it, but we might lose some of the intimacy. So for example, what we're doing with you, we do at every event with each attendee. And mm-hmm. there's only a certain amount of time over the four days where we can spend an hour with Travis and just have a conversation and just see what Travis wants to ask us and make sure that, you know, we're giving people, you know, people are trusting us with money and their time and coming to something. And we want to make sure they get some time to do whatever they want. It doesn't mean, they'll. you know, we also then talk to you, you know, look I'm I'm not I don't want to sound like we're like oh we're the elitists and we show up at a certain time not it at all you know Mm -hmm. we talk anywhere anytime all the time but we do try to make these sort of crow's nest conversations available to people who want to have them because a lot of people come and want to ask career advice but they don't necessarily want to do it in front of 15 people yet or they want to ask how did you get into you know your consulting thing or how did you what advice do you have if I want to do this you know like so to do that with 30 people would be much harder. Yeah. Um, and 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 frankly, could be done, it'd be massively exhausting for us, which would then we think take away from the event itself. Cause then we can't be present with everybody. Like that's a huge piece of this. So yeah.
2: What what have been some of the bigger failures you guys have had? And you don't you don't have to dig into that if oh, you're curious. I things. mean, uh,
0: Maybe the better question is, Richard, what do you see as Scott's biggest failure? And, Scott, what do you see as Richard's biggest failure, career-wise? Oh, man. That's, uh, brutal. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Go yeah. ahead. Uh, I've said this, and this isn't shocking. I think Scott should have gone out on his own sooner. I understand why he didn't. And his long-game approach is probably going to pay off better than if had he gone sooner. Because of, because particularly because of Qualia. So I, I, but in my mind, I'm like, Scott, why did you take so long to do this? <laughs> um, I've seen Scott make some ad, which we all have, where we've tried to go work for someone and it was just a terrible experience because what we thought we were promised didn't deliver. Mm-hmm. And we sold ourselves on something that, I don't know if we got happy years on, like there's, there's one company I'm thinking of Scott when you went up, moved up to Sonoma or wherever it was that one time.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. So those are the things that I think, um, but I don't, there's nothing harsh in there. Like I don't, you know, I, was, I have a harsh one for Richard. Oh, so <laughs> oh, I'm going to video, I'm going to record this and snippet it out. Go for
1: it. It's already being recorded, Richard. That's what we do with the show. We record the show and then we broadcast it later on. Scott, you're on mute. Should I put you on mute while you start? <laughs> I am not on mute right now. Uh, in 2004, I was uh, just getting, just recovering from some of my health problems and everything, mm. and I had a conversation with a friend of mine named Tony Marshall that I played college tennis with, and Tony was working for uh, a security company. What was the name of the company, Richard? PC uh, something PC Guardian. Something locked. PC Guardian. Where they sold these locks for computers and this this kind of thing, and I was trying to figure out what the fuck I was going to do with my life because my psychology degrees and religion degree, like, what am I going to do with that, right? And my buddy Tony was like, "You should, uh, you know, think about sales. Like, you don't have to have experience in sales. You don't have to have a degree in it. You're super competitive. Uh, you know, you're convincing and and like to, you know, get people to do what you want. All this like kind of stuff." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all right, well, how do you even get a job in sales? And he said, let me let me talk to my boss and, and you know, send over your resume or whatever and see if I can get you an interview. Well, I, I didn't really have a resume because I'd never had a job in my life before that didn't involve getting paid to play or coach sports. So my friend Tony gave his boss my resume and his boss was like, get the fuck out of here. Like, this guy's never done anything before. No. And decided not to interview me, let alone not um give me the job. And that person's name was Richard Harris. So now here's
0: can I rebut that?
1: Uh, There's no rebutting. You can you can add to the uh commentary around it, but that 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 is fact. That is the fact.
0: That is 100 percent
1: the fact that is a fact, I believe. Now Richard can add to this let me just say one more thing now over the years both Richard and I had completely forgotten that particular event and it wasn't but maybe a year or two ago that our friend Tony I think reminded us of this Richard and I had completely forgotten we had no idea that happened yeah Yeah, completely forgotten but that's a but it's a fact so Richard saw my bare naked resume and decided not to even give me an interview at PC Guardian.
0: Correct. Now go I ahead, know, Richard.
1: You we'll too, not, still, I will not rebut.
0: Those are all facts, 100%. Um, what I will add as color is that we would probably not have gotten along based on my personality then and my lack of growth as a leader and how I've known you to come into places. Because you. I know Scott would have come in and been like, who is this guy Richard? Cause I was not a great, I mean, I was good sales leader, but I wasn't great. Mm-hmm. And those are a lot, what's made me greater was learning from Scott when I actually went to go work for him. And, um, and so in my heart, I really believe that had that happened one, you would have come in and said, this guy's terrible. How do I get his job? Cause that's how he is. That's who Scott is. And I would have failed miserably at it. And uh, we probably wouldn't have been friends. So, you know, it, yeah it's a fair statement it, it is true i probably scott probably would have crushed it as a number uh absolutely
2: i have no doubt about that now that i know him but um worked out exactly as it should have exactly yeah
1: it's just a it's a funny funny story and it comes full circle because and Richard it, is, ended and it probably wasn't to work for Boston, me right so but it's just more it's made more funny by years later Tony reintroduces me to Richard and I hire Richard to work for me as mm-hmm. a, as a sales manager when I'm a VP of sales. And now, you know, we've been friends and in business together for a while. So
2: it's just, By the way, it's just
1: funny, but Scott, it's a great you... story now because I now forever can just use this yes. to my advantage that Richard decided not to hire me. Yes. So Scott, do you realize that when I came to
0: you that it was because of the PC guardian job? do you know that
1: that because of that job disappearing basically right because it
0: was the 2008 2009 recession
1: no i don't think i knew that that was yeah so it's area. so so like just to tie up the loose we'll remember back. yeah yeah that's funny small world travis you never know man well <laughs> how that worked out yeah also this hey, has been travis, a lot This has been a lot of fun dude yeah we got to
0: wrap it but um travis we'll, we'll give you a second but uh Big thanks to Scratchpad, um, Sendoso, and Outreach. Check out click.io, click.outreach.io forward slash surf for something special in their landing page. Um, can't remember what's on there, but it's on there. And then Travis, our last question for you, based on your first question to Scott, are you coming to Surf and Sales in November?
2: <laughs> oh man, uh, baby's due in September. So, uh, I think two months, Perfect. Before, you know, be six weeks uh, old, will be fine. Yeah. yeah, possibly it's believe me, it, it is on the radar and it's been on my roadmap for a while to get out there for it. Um, it is like the event that I've been wanting to do. Um, I there's been, I've been to some sales events. I don't really enjoy a lot of them, but this one seems like one that would be pretty special. And I love that you guys put it together and I kind of hate myself that I didn't come up with the idea myself. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I would love to be a part of it. Uh, it's, it's it's a, it's a win, not if for me right now, I would say at this point. So if not November, I catch the next one in thank March. Yeah. Cool, we'll my man.
1: It. 2023,
2: maybe. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Well, you know what? I to- All right, man. We'll see you soon. Yep. Hey, thank you both. I really appreciate the time today. It was fun, Travis. Yeah. Have a great day. You too.